All right, welcome in to Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will Dundon here, got Nick Trushel on the other side of the studio, uh, waiting for Seth. Don't know, Seth's a little busy today, moving around, moving some houses and stuff, so we'll see if he joins us later. But tons to talk about. Huge weekend, obviously, with the draft going on, NBA playoffs, a few big uh, additions in the transfer portal in college football with a lot of NIL talk. So let's kick it off, Trushel. Let's kick it off. We'll talk a little bit about the draft. We're going to give you give you guys, give the listeners a little general talk to see what we liked out of the draft. And then obviously Titans fans here will kind of jump into the Titans. But Trucial, first of all, biggest storyline out of the draft, I would say, is you have one quarterback go in the first round and then lots of guys drop. And I think yeah, it, it was funny because we talked about it on the podcast. I, I remember saying man, there might not be a quarterback taken in the first round. And I think that sounded crazy to a lot of people. It almost sounded crazy to me. And then you have Kenny Pickett. It almost happened, guy. yeah. Yeah, and it's what, pick 20 around there? So, yeah, those to the Steelers, 20-something. Uh, so um, it was pretty crazy, to, especially um, like to see Ritter and Willis uh, fall so far because, I mean, there was projections for those guys to, to be as high as the third overall pick, fourth overall pick. Um, so it was definitely an interesting draft to say the least. Um, and who knows how it's going to play out. I think Pickett is probably the most, the guy who's most ready to hop into an offense. Um, so we'll see how, I mean, he could end up uh, being the starter in Pittsburgh over Mason Rudolph. Um, I know they unfortunately lost Dwayne Haskins in that terrible accident, uh, but they're looking to fill that position. So he's going to get the opportunity there. But it, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was so weird to, to see all those quarterbacks fall, in which we'll get into it later. I was very glad one of them fell. So, yeah. Well, and Pickett's a, he's such a question mark for me because, you know, I can see where his game transitions into the NFL, especially playing with Whipple as his OC. Mm-hmm. But again, I just don't, I, I don't know. Like, he get he gets drafted by the Steelers. That's kind of a cool pick, hometown guy, or at least went to Pittsburgh. Now he's going to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And again, I can see where the game transfers, but I actually was listening to Tim Hasselbeck came on 102.5, the Nashville radio station last week and was talking about how it seems like this year, because of the lack of star power at the QB position, we as fans especially, and probably even some draft experts, kind of forced a lot of these quarterbacks into first-round projections. And he brought up Kenny Pickett specifically. He said a couple of years ago, you know, he was at Pittsburgh, and, you know, he visits around schools, I'm sure. And they right. they like to mention, hey, this guy could play in the league, stuff like that. And he said he's talking to, you know, Pickett's coaches, guys that know him and watch him play every day. And right. they're, saying, they're saying things like, hey, man, we really think this guy's got a shot to, like, make the league be like a fifth or sixth-round pick. Like, these are his coaches. And I know that's yeah. a couple of years ago. But when you're saying that, like, that was kind That's of the crazy, that was the thought process. Like a lot of these guys, if you really looked at it, were kind of mid round quarterbacks any other year. But because there was kind of a lack of talent this year at that position, we forced guys up and, you know, good for Kenny Pickett. He's he picked a good year to go to the NFL because he's going to get in and make a little extra money. But I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do. I, I seriously I've said this before. There's a chance that none of these guys are long-term starters or even short-term starters they could you could have career clipboard guys out of all of these guys now you're gonna have someone probably rise to the top and make some plays but I mean what did you think about 
you can you can go with Pickett or maybe a couple of the other guys drafted. Anyone you like specifically or anyone you were really surprised fell to the end? As we welcome Big Seth in, the Blade Dog, he's coming in. There we go. Good to, good to have Seth back in. But I'll quickly talk about um, Sam Howell being taken by the Washington Commanders in the fifth round, I thought was uh, a really, really good move. So obviously they traded for Carson Wentz this offseason. Um, but I think Sam Howell is the type of player that could develop into something big and be the the surprise sneaky guy of this class. Uh, so just off the top of my head, it's going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out in Washington. And I think sitting uh, a year or two behind Carson Wentz as they they play the in-between game, um, Sam Howell could be the guy to take the, the next big jump. So I think uh, – People kind of forgot about him pretty quickly. I mean, he had some like flashes of greatness at UNC um, and had a lot of people picking UNC uh, a year or two ago to to win the ACC. Uh, Obviously, I have Mac Brown as the coach and things didn't really work out uh, how people initially projected. But Sam Howell, I think he's going to be the biggest surprise here. Well, I, I kind of like that you mentioned that because I think as a fifth round pick, like that's a really good pick because I, I don't know how good Sam Howell is going to be. He's a he's kind of a wild card in this class, I think. I mm-hmm. think you could really have any end of the spectrum with him. But it's funny you mentioned him because when I was talking about Tim Hasselbeck, he actually mentioned Sam Howell as one of the quarterbacks he really liked. So, again, I don't, I don't know how good any of these guys are going to be. But I think as a fifth round pick, like when Steel. you can get a quarterback that, you know, there's a chance there. That's an awesome at least that's a value pick. If you screw up a fifth round pick on a quarterback. So be it. Yeah. Seth, how's it going, man? Let's let's catch let's get you in here. Oh, it's going great, boys. It's going great. Good to see you guys at the new crib. I'm actually oh, on man. the patio right now. Uh we haven't even fully moved all the way in. Um but uh but excited to be here nonetheless you know gonna have to recreate the new studio actually probably don't have a room to do that in but we'll figure we'll figure it out um we'll make it work sam Howell, that's an interesting i know we're jump, jumping right into that but you know a guy that truly was kind of considered a potential top you know at one point in his college career considered a potential top prospect prospect um, so scooping a guy like that in the fifth round, like, yeah, what does it hurt you? I mean, seriously, if he doesn't pan out, it's like, okay, you know, we took a flyer on a fifth round guy that with a really high ceiling that we thought might work right. out. Um, and if he doesn't, you know, he'll probably be at least a successful backup, you know, for a few years, he's got enough talent to, uh, you know, hold a clipboard for a while if at worst case scenario. And if you got a talented backup, that's always good. You see that? I mean, that's kind of what the Titans are looking like in a similar spot. Third round versus fifth round is different. Um, but also ceilings seem to be different on these quarterbacks that, that we took. I don't know. Y'all may have already, already spoken on it, but, you know, the Titans drafting a guy like Malik Willis in the third round, it's like, well, you know, worst case scenario, he's your, a very uh, big upgrade on the backup QB position. And hopefully, you know, eventually he evolves into that true starting starting role. And we spoke to it. He was one of the guys that we really saw maybe as a potential number one. Like not many guys in this class, you said that's my cornerstone franchise QB for the next ten to twelve years. Right. Like this, this guy's gonna hold it down. Not just he can start a few games here and there. He can even go a season or two. Like this guy is the face of our. That's what the quarterback is. Face of the franchise. Uh, so you know, hopefully, and that's what this quarterback draft was about. Like we kind of 
there's probably going to be one or two guys in this draft class that end up being franchise QBs. Maybe, maybe. I don't know what the average is. I'd like to look that up, like see how many per that, class yeah, you, you kind of average. That's a good question. I bet you average, you probably average like two and a half guys that legitimately start for seven plus years. Because there's only so many spots. I mean, there's only people, so many people that play quarterback. Uh, and when they play for 20-something years, like Tom Brady, like he's held down one out of 32 positions for 20-something years. <laughs> like there's just, not, there's just not that many spots out there. It's um, crazy. I saw a stat today. He's actually been playing in the league longer than one of his teammates has been alive. Uh, so there's actually <laughs> a player that was drafted on the Bucks this year that was born in 2000. And Tom Brady was drafted in 99. So that is insane. Insane. No, yeah, and Willis is a good one. Uh, I I do just want to – I kind of want to talk J-Rob a little bit because – Got to. That's what we know best. I mean, obviously, Titans fans were freaking out. We'll talk a little bit about the A.J. Brown stuff. They're freaking out. Then the draft is going on. You get a guy in Traylon Burks, and then you're kind of – Seth, we were texting with Swaff and and, and Reese and the other – in our group message, and – you know, they're they're hammering. They're like, guys, we have to get a quarterback this pick. J-Rob goes with a DB, and we're like, okay, what what does this mean? Like, are we – Yeah, at that people point, have been crapping on the Titans yeah. for taking well, McCurry. And I want to give a shout-out to J-Rob overall. because I feel like this has happened in multiple drafts where I've been like, we got to get this guy in this round or whatever. And then somehow he ends up falling, and we get him at a later pick. I, I think about – uh, I mean, Harold Landry might not be the best example, but I remember wanting him in the yeah, first Rashawn round. Yeah, Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry yeah. uh, in the first first round and second round. I remember Harold Landry as being one of those guys that uh, the Titans were talking about in the first round too, and we ended up getting both. Yeah, so, I just feel like there have been a couple times where, you know, we, ha- we have hoped we get a guy in the first or second round, and then he, we end up getting him in the second or third round. Like, we yeah. somehow he, he falls to us, and I guess that's good – maybe knowing kind of what the other teams are thinking, knowing, I don't know if that's, if that plays into it a lot, like scouting does. kind of the rest of the team. I would think but, trying yeah. to uh, almost playing a game of chess with some of the other executives, you could say. Yeah. The um, draft's such a long like game to too. Like mm-hmm. the draft is the first, and it's kind of isolated now the way they split it up into several days. Um, so like day one, you're like, holy crap, what are the Titans? Like the Titans traded away the best receiver we've ever had. <laughs> like that is a, that is a bold move. That is a – look, I, I'm, I'm very partial. We can go ahead and get into it a little bit. Traylon Burks, I truly believe, is a generational talent. Like, I think he is going – I think he is going to be an elite receiver in this league for a long time to come. Catches the ball just incredibly well. He fights for every ball. He fights for every yard. And he is supremely, supremely talented. That being said, he has not played a down of NFL football. He has been – fantastic at the college level and he's been i've got i've watched him closer than anybody he has risen his greatness has truly risen above everyone else that he's he's played on some bad teams especially his first year when he was a freshman when he was a freshman he was the best player on our offense bar none like he came in from day one and took over as our star as the the only person on our offense that you got to be like this guy is an actual weapon. Like you have to, and he, and teams still couldn't stop him. You know, you, you look at guys like Alabama, they got four receivers that are probably NFL guys. Like Traylon Burks was the guy. There was no one else. You really had to game plan against stopping. And he still came out and dominated everybody. You knew where the ball was going and he still was the best player on the field. 
So I, I'm personally even that trade. It was a it was a roller coaster for me too because I was out on a run, had almost forgotten that the draft was starting on Thursday. Came back in and my phone has just exploded and I'm like, oh crap, the draft is on. Like, of course. And the first message I see is from like my family. You know, they're like, Titans got Traylon, and everyone's pumped. And I'm just thinking, no way, this is incredible. <laughs> You're I'm thinking AJ so and Traylon, I'm thinking, baby. <laughs> I'm thinking AJ and Traylon. Like we are unstoppable. And then all of a sudden, I get to some other text messages, go through Twitter, and it's like Titans traded AJ Brown, and I was just like. What? Yeah, because like, we all like, said, no way this will happen. Like, not in a uh, million years. Yeah, not in, like, no way. Like, they'll get a deal done. Yeah, they'll shout get a out to us. Done. We were really, we really yeah, turned this down informed. from the get-go. But I think that's kind of what most people said. You know, most people said, yeah, they'll get a deal done. Jay, they, they have traditionally paid the players in-house that they've drafted, that they've developed, that they've seen succeed. Like, if you've been a draft pick of the Titans and you've had success, they've paid you well. They've paid you top of the market. Bayer got paid top of the market. Lawan got paid top of the market. Uh, Henry got paid pretty good, but honestly, he got what he, he wanted. Took it. He got what he wanted. Yeah. It, it seems like there was a pretty good divide. There was obviously a big divide. I don't know whose side of the, there's, there's a billion sides to every story. I don't really know what happened. I think there was, I think originally they, AJ, this is my take on the situation. An uninformed, like I am not an insider. I, I'm the farthest from it. I'm an out. I'm a true outsider. I feel like AJ Brown's camp came in aggressive. They're yeah. like, we want the world. We want the moon and back. And, you know, which is fine. That's your right to do so as an elite player in this league. Like, especially with the wide receiver market this off season, shoot for the moon, you know, like try to get as much as you can. But then the Titans came back a lot more Titan esque, like way under and I think it might not have gotten too far. That's kind of my thought is like, they were like, holy crap, we're, we're at a 10 million divide. Like we're not, we, we're not, we might not meet that. Well, we might not get to that. It's funny. You mentioned that, uh, especially AJ wanting the moon at first, because so I am also, we are all pretty far from insiders, but I, I do know a couple people who mentioned some things to me, at least like that are in that kind of realm at the station and everything. And I did hear that, and this was actually on a show, so it doesn't even really, it's not even really insider information. I think I heard this on the radio. I think originally AJ came in wanting kind of a similar contract that you saw that the Eagles or whatever got him. But I think they originally came in at like 70 or 80 million guaranteed. Yeah. And I just, that is a number. And I, I guess I get starting at that because you're assuming you're going to negotiate. But there's no way I could ever imagine guaranteeing that much money to a receiver who's missing three or four games a year. Every year, yeah. He comes I mean, up he comes up hobbled after every catch, it seems like. And I might AJ have soured is on amazing. AJ a little bit. But. AJ is amazing. He had yes. like 850 yards receiving last year, which is great. I mean, it's good. It's the most we had on the team, but it's not like he's putting we up can win without body. Him. Yeah. It, yeah, we can win with – I mean – I would have rather win with him. (laughs) Yeah, I would have rather. But I just think a successful receiver, an elite receiver can fill that. I think, you know, and and we drafted that other guy, uh, Phillips, Kyle Phillips. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, really strong. This draft, I mean, this draft has the potential to be a deep, 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 like 
position filling uh, draft for a while. They got a lot of guys, a lot of value. I mean, the tight end they got Chig Chigby. Is it Chig? Uh, what's his? Yeah, they just call him Chig. Chig. Okay. Yeah, Chig beast. or Conquo or whatever. Like, yeah, he, a yeah. beast, athletic freak. Yeah, and, and similar you know, similar to a Janu. Similar yeah. to a Janu. And so hopefully that works out. I mean, you know, probably need some polishing and whatnot, but it, it's that kind of. That was a guy athletically who's a top top talent, especially at the tight end position. Um, and to get him later, later on in the draft, you, you potentially draft your franchise quarterback. Maybe we draft another quarterback next year. So what? Like, so, so what we draft a quarterback again next year, but potentially you got a guy that could be your cornerstone, you know, and that's incredible. So like we, about J Rob, like isolated, it's, it's easy to say, oh, though, what a terrible move, but then, then you stack up the class that they just hauled in with everything he's done to get us here to, we are not trying like, this is another move that literally says to me, like, we're not just going for one window. Like we're trying to build a franchise that stands on its own for a long time to come. Like we're, we, we're not just built around one player, whether that's Derek Henry, whether that's AJ Brown, like we're not, instead of, you know, this one guy, we are going to have, a team <laughs> it's a 53 man roster and j-rob has made us deep like deep yeah. deep for a long and that's what really sustains you for success like you guys said aj brown missed a few games every year like we need we need a, a lot of strong receivers uh, that are in there for for all the games so we'll see i mean draft is always you can judge it a lot better in hindsight you know four years from now we'll see if six guys are still on the team, then it's like, wow, what an amazing draft. Like, or if two guys on the team, it's like, wow, pretty terrible draft. Like, you know, 80 of your guys are still not there. Um, so we'll see in hindsight. Draft's always fun because it's just kind of football right in your face. And uh, in, in a time where there's not much. And you get to see some of the guys you followed in college. We all love college. You know, we follow it so much. So seeing some of those guys go um, is really exciting. Uh, and a lot of guys get a, a chance at the next level. Like that's, that's legit. Like let's go, that's your shot. But it's funny too. Like think about Malik Willis. I just saw from the financial side, um, kind of the slide he had from being a potential like top pick. I mean, he literally lost out on probably million 20, 20 mil. Yeah. Dude. Like, he was, like, yeah. He's about to be a millionaire. Be a top five top five overall pick. And then but he you earn it in way. the next contract. Really? I mean, your second contract's what, what gets you paid in the NFL. Um, so just earn it in that. But uh, I didn't mean to come in really hot, but, you know. No, that's, that's what, what we, we're here for. Traylon, but, Traylon is going to be a great Titan. I'll say that. Everyone was super down, and I get it. Y'all have – Titans fans have come to love AJ. We've hung – we have clinged to AJ because we have had zero good receiver, like elite receivers. Zero 1,000-yard seasons ever until as a franchise we have been grasping at studs like Corey davis was pretty good and people were like we can't let him go and it was (laughs) like i mean yeah you kind of can like you you can find another guy to uh put that kind of production up yeah um but i really think Traylon could be just a just stud that takes everyone's minds off it won't take everyone's minds off aj but i think he'll be a stud that replaces at least the production uh he's about to become and be elite that's what I'll say. I mean, if he can come in and be a – I don't know what the number is, but I'm not going to ask him to be like a 1,000-yard receiver even necessarily if we can figure out the rest of the offense, if Robert Woods can come in and be kind of good. Mm-hmm. If 
Here's the thing, Seth, you mentioned Kyle Phillips. If Kyle Phillips can come in and play, like if he can contribute and just make that receiver room deeper, that would be huge. You would have a legit kind of it, it seems like we were grasping also at just having a true receiving core at times. Yeah. You're, you're having yeah. guys that you're like, should these guys even be on an active roster at times? And I, I want to I want to ask you all this, too. We'll we'll kind of break it down. Uh, the, the one main question I want to get out is the Titans roster better today than it was a week ago. I know there's a lot to we, we, we don't know, but I would like to get y'all's opinion on that. I'll go even a step further. Like, is it better than when we lost to the Bengals? Is it better than that roster that took the field? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, through the offseason and everything, is it better? Um, I would say yes. I would say yes, because you don't quite trade. Traylon and AJ is not quite a trade. Like, it's not one for one, but because of the production, but it fills the gap enough. It fills that hole enough where it's not like a huge drastic like gap that you're missing. And all of a sudden, you know, you add Robert Woods. So essentially you took away. Okay. Julio was in name in name only was elite last year. Like Julio didn't really produce that much for the time. He maybe, I mean, you could say he maybe helped win us the Seahawks game, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, he, that, that and it was, was it. awesome. He having attracted them li- attention, though. Yeah, so. having them lining up together was awesome. But in terms of production, you take away AJ and Julio had what, like 300 receiving yards. Like, it's not like he really produced that much. And was hurt a lot of came in one game. Yeah. Okay. So you add Robert Woods, Traylon, you know, you had Kyle Phillips. I think Kyle Phillips really will fill that kind of slot role that we've tried to like. You, you got Humphreys at one time and you kind of tried to free agent your way into and he was decent he was pretty good you know he, he did some good things but you kind of filled that gap I would say yes they're better because you fill a need at tight end you add a really athletic tight end yeah you add too. Yeah. yeah oh that's absolutely right yeah so you really uh that that tight end you really solidified between the uh the two guys the guy you add in free agency Hooper and the guy you drafted um I think that you add you're better at quarterback position I mean whether whether he's starting ever whether he he's still more talented than than woodside let's be honest so you're upgraded you've upgraded your quarterback and your uh your defensive line didn't need i mean it's stacked there you already got a lot of money tied up in it and everything um i think they're better but they gotta prove it that's 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 the nfl i think they're deeper that's what i really think they are just added more depth and that's really the the most important thing in my mind. I mean, we a lot of these guys are going to be able to produce. They're all NFL professional athletes, um, but it's a, a grueling long season. And I think depth comes into play more than a lot of a lot of people realize. Um, and having guys who are talented that can just go out there and be on the field is so important um, in December and come playoff time. So to build off what you say, Seth, kind of talking about some of the depth there. I feel like injuries coming back, our defense is going to be elite, if not top three, top five um, type of play, because really up and down from pass rushing defensive line, uh, um, our safeties and corners should all be, I mean, great. So we'll have to see how Traylon Burks obviously fits in. But I mean, if he just play, if he has similar production to what AJ did his rookie year, then I mean, bam, right there, we're good to go. Um I think we the king comes back hungry. He's going to be pissed off. 
we just start running the ball again through him. Um, I mean, he, he's a different type of generational talent. Uh, and, and we quickly, it seems like people quickly forgot how good Derrick Henry is and how he can make an offense hum. And it just makes everything easier when you, you have to stack eight guys in the box then the play action starts working. And then as long as you got somebody who's fast out there, that's all that matters. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be a, a fun year for the Titans. I'll say that the least. Whether this roster is technically better or not, I don't know. Uh, but it's definitely deeper. I think yeah. we also got another that tackle from Ohio State. Yeah. You know, he, he could come in and, and be a contributor. Yeah, a guy you can move to. around to. Yeah, a guy you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, anyway, well, you, you you can go touch on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I won't, I won't say – yeah, I won't say a whole lot, but I do – I think a big part – so we mentioned the defense and everything. I think that's the biggest part people have forgotten about is we have an elite defense that – I mean, ho- hopefully we don't even have to score a lot of points. I mean, hopefully it yeah. works on both sides of the ball, right? But, Seth, I like how you decided to go with since the Cincinnati game because I'm going to go ahead and say that technically you could say a guy like Caleb Farley wasn't really a part of that roster. What if what if he yeah. comes back and is a starter this year? What if McCreary – is a similar guy to like a Christian Fulton if he's a young or not even that say he's similar Moulton. to uh, yeah say he's similar to Elijah Molden a guy that can just come in and play and it's like oh shoot this position group at secondary where we were gaming the free agency market last year with guys like Buster Screen Matias Farley like if if we can have some like a solid lineup there I mean we have one of the best defenses in the NFL again so yeah. I it it'll just be fun to watch the team this year because I don't think like we said like I just don't think the Titans losing a big time receiver is the biggest deal in the world. I think if Traylon comes in and can be a I don't know. I, I said I didn't want to put a number on it, but if he can have 700 yards or something around there cuz he's going to be the number one guy, right? Yeah, him and I think we'll kind of have co-A1s this year. I think Traylon is eventually your number one receiver. I think this year it might kind of be 50-50 who's not true number one between Robert Woods and Traylon, which is good. I think that's a great thing to have a complimentary receiver who can carry a good amount of the load, you know, while, while Traylon kind of uh, assimilates and, and becomes more a bigger piece of the offense. Um, but still, he, he would be your one, I guess. Right. Well, and Robert Woods is a guy we talked about had 1,300 yards a couple years ago. Obviously, yeah. different offense, but the only problem there is we don't know if he's going to quite be ready for the beginning of the season. So that's why I say, like, you know, day one, that kind of game one, if Robert Woods isn't playing, I mean, I pray to God Nick Westbrook Akine is not your number one, you know? So <laughs> yeah. if he's number one, we are. It might as well just we be, are no, at that bad. point. It might, we might as well just make Hooper the number one receiver. Yeah, like, gosh, but I don't know. I'm excited. Uh, la- last question I'll give y'all on the Titans. So we draft the, we draft a quarterback, Malik Willis. Here's something I heard that at first I thought was a crazy statement, but then I thought about it and I said, actually, this is you can embrace debate on this one. Day one regular season, game one regular season. Who is the second string quarterback for the Tennessee Titans? I mean, I would hope it's Malik Willis. I really, really would. Um, because I just, I don't want to put him in a situation like we put Mariota in 
um, and have him get out there and just get his confidence destroyed. I want to make sure that Malik Willis is really ready to go. So I'm kind of on that side that I think a lot of Titans fans want to see that fresh face and are tired of Tannehill. I'm still kind of on Tannehill's side here. I think there's a chance, like I said, with Henry coming back, this offense gets humming again, and we, we see that Tannehill that threw for 33 touchdowns two years ago um, and ran it in for eight times too. So that's how I kind of want to look at it. But, hey, I, I can understand some of the frustrations and wanting to see a fresh face in Malik Willis. Well, so, no, here's actually what I meant by that. I was actually wondering, do you think – Logan Woodside is the backup, or do oh, you think see, Malik Willis is the backup? So you you think it's possible that Woodside could even be better I, than Malik Willis? I think it's possible that Malik Willis essentially takes a redshirt year. And we've also seen Logan Woodside, who has been here for a while, outlast these guys that have come in, yeah, who we thought true. had a chance of being backups. And Logan Woodside just kind of stayed tried and true. So I'm assuming, if nothing else, the guy knows they the definitely offense. Like I, think, him. I think I've seen him throw one pass in the regular season on a fake punt. But Yeah, and it, it was a completion, too, for a first down. <laughs> but I'm just wondering. I mean, the, I think the argument needs to be there, at least, that, hey, Titans fans, hold the reins back a little bit. Just realize that Malik Willis might not even see the field, like, at all this year. Like, he might be more of a third-string guy. You'll see him in the preseason. But I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It, I think it's just worthy of kind of a question I wanted to throw out to everyone. I got a, I got a take on this. I think that Malik Willis will technically be the third string week one. I think so. I think Woodside has been the backup a long time. He really is well-equipped. Yeah, he, he's, he's earned his stripes as a backup. But I also think that if Tannehill were to get hurt early in the year and like where it's like he's out for games at a time, I think you're seeing Malik Willis come in. Like I, I – I think technically he's not the backup to start the year. I think Woodside comes in, you know, Tannehill goes out in the fourth quarter. Maybe you bring Woodside in or so, I don't know. I don't know exactly the scenario, but I think if something happened to Tannehill long-term where he's out for more than a game, I think you bring in, I think you bring in Willis. I, I think, I think your offense is good enough surrounding him at this point. The team is good enough where it doesn't just strand him on an Island. Mm-hmm. Like when you put Mariota out there as a rookie, with the a terrible, terrible, terrible team, yeah, that's setting him up for failure. Like that is setting him up, or, or a guy like Trevor Lawrence last year, number one pick in the draft, but his team's terrible. Like you're setting him up to fail. Like that is not it is not a good healthy six uh, recipe for success for a quarterback. So I think Woodside will be your quarterback or your your QB two on the depth chart, but in terms of at what's actuality who's the backup quarterback or who's the second string quarterback i think it's willis i think he's the guy you bring in if 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 it's multiple games that you know you're going to try to win he's he's your future woodside is not your future woodside ceiling is about hit he is a a backup quarterback in the nfl you know he doesn't he's quiet you never hear nothing about him like he's he's the perfect backup he is no nonsense. Like you never really hear anything about him, good or bad. He's just kind of exists in the case of emergency, you know? So, and I'm sure he does good stuff at practice. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but there's no real, like there's, if he was going to be your starting quarterback, it would have happened. Like, it, right. or, you know, it's the future. So I, I think, I think that's kind of my, my take on it. Statistically, uh, 
I guess logistically, Woodside QB2, but in all reality, Willis is QB2. And I think this is Tannehill's – I think it's probably his last year as a Titan, to be honest, unless he wins a Super Bowl. Anything short of a Super Bowl, I think he's gone, truly. Or getting to a Super Bowl. If he got to a Super Bowl, it would be hard to cut ties with him. But he has earned it. Like, one terrible game should not negate all of the good that Tannehill has done for this franchise. He has brought a lot of stability. He has been very, very healthy, played in pretty much every game. Like, he has handled himself extremely well, made a lot of really good plays, like taking our offense – we were a very, very, very good offense. Not really last year. We were kind of dysfunctional at times, but that's, I'm going to put that more on the play calling and the offensive coordinator situation, which is another just big question mark I have for this year. It's like, man, that was not pretty to watch at times last year. Like we were doing things. The Cincinnati Bengals were calling our plays in the playoffs. Yeah. They're literally calling the plays off on the sideline. It was embarrassing. Not not like second quarter of a regular season game where it's like, yeah, we kind of go through the same progression. You know, it's fairly easy. No, the playoffs when like you should be at your absolute peak. They knew exactly what was coming. That is the worst. That is the absolute worst sign of an offensive coordinator you could possibly have to to have players on the other team knowing what's coming. Um, So... I'm going to give Tannehill a little slack. It's easy to hate on that. The way the way it all ended is extremely easy to hate on. Extremely easy. And it provides, especially the common fan who really only probably watched a few games and like gets hyped for the playoffs, which is fair. Hey, that's that more power to you. Like that's a great part of sports is like you can join in whenever you want and care as much as you want. Like, but they see that and they're like, oh, Tannehill, like get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. It's like, it's not just that simple. Like you can't quarterback is so hard to fill in the NFL. Like you are not just grabbing another guy off the street that can do what Ryan Tannehill does. He's a 11 year starter in the NFL at this point. Like the guy has been solid on some even really bad teams in Miami. Yeah, um, horrible. But, but at the same time, in the same, in the flip of that token, is like you have been great, you have been stability. This team is good enough to win a Super Bowl, so we are gonna put a guy in position that we think can get us over the finish line. Like this defense is elite. This defense, you do not get defensive lines like we have very often. And this is the last year of Simmons' rookie deal, so like we got to take because we're he's about to get paid. He's I think about we to are get paid. Pay him. I think yeah. we are because he is the centerpiece. He is the cornerstone of our defense. Um, so, but winning in this year when he, you know, he hasn't hit that big contract yet. Uh, Bayard's still playing at a really high level. Um, I, if you can't do it this year, and, and I, you know, who knows what will happen, then I, it might be time to make a switch. But I guess at this point, it's either Malik Willis or you just don't get franchise quarterbacks in the, you know, trading forum or nothing. Like they don't just come around. They don't switch teams. A franchise quarterback stays a franchise quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you don't see it too often. Mm-mm. Yeah, the only Except asterisk the recent... there is, you know, a guy like Matt Stafford. Where yeah, you just Matt get, Stafford. You straight up get bought or you've been on a terrible franchise. Um, yeah. I've, I've got just a couple quick things to say about both of these quarterback things, and then we can, Trucial, if you want to add in, we can do that and then move on. But so as far as the whole Willis-Woodside things goes, I think – I can see it going either way because I think, say you're kind of in the middle of the season and Tannehill's going to be out for two or three games, you got a winning record. I can see you saying, 
let's go safe, put Woodside in there, be vanilla, see if we can run the ball, play defense and win. I could also see, say, you're not having the best year, and you say, hey, let's give the give the young guy a shot. Or, again, I, I say you go vanilla with Woodside. Maybe you can do that with Willis and get him some real in-game experience while Tannehill's out. So I don't know. I, I, I think Woodside I – th- I think that's fair to say, Seth, that Woodside will be depth chart two, if, uh, barring emergency. If, if an emergency were to happen, maybe they throw Willis into the fire, see what he can do. Then the one thing I wanted to say about Tannehill is he is catching a lot of hate. And one of the things he was catching a lot of hate for was like not – I mean, he didn't show up to the voluntary workouts. I didn't really care. A lot of people did. Then – He's getting trashed for – I think it's mainly guys just wanting something to talk about in the local media. He gets trashed for, oh, he hasn't texted Traylon Burks yet, all this stuff. Oh, he posted an Instagram of him fishing at the beach. And then it was funny because I was listening to a show and someone asked the question, do you think he knows the chatter that's going on? And someone was like, of course, he's got to know. And then Teron Davenport, who actually wrote that article about AJ and the contract stuff – he said, you know what? Honestly, I think he doesn't. I think he like blocks it out and probably just doesn't care. And I'm on that side. I don't think Tannehill lets stuff bother him. I don't think he's on social media scrolling through stuff. I think he's or it, like as far as a text to Traylon Burks goes, I'm thinking he's just like probably not thinking about it. Or it's and maybe you should be Does he have his at, phone number? Like yeah. has has have we has it been put in place for him to like, who really cares? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, who cares? And I think that's how he is. I like, I don't, I think he just isn't thinking about stuff like that. Like it's not a big deal to him. And I, I couldn't get behind it. I think he originally like tweeted at him or something or eventually tweeted at him, but I'm just like, this doesn't, this is not a thing. And you never know. What if he's thinking, Hey, this guy's getting a thousand text messages right now. I'll hit him up when he comes to camp or I'll hit him up a few yeah. days after when everything dies down. Like, just I, I thought all of this kind of talk around him being checked out or pissed off or something, I think it, that's all it is, is just talk. I think it's way blown out of proportion. But, yeah. Yeah, he, he's the leader of this team as it stands right now. and It, it is. I, I think it's – people were so down on him at the very end of the year. And so it's just kind of people have a take on someone, right? And you just get more and more entrenched – in that take, you know, you, you, you find more stuff that might, you're just grasping, you're just grasping at things that might back you up, you know, Oh, he didn't come for voluntary workouts. If we had won the Super Bowl last year, no one would care at all. No one would say a single word, but yeah, you throw three picks and you better be at that first practice or you're not like, we're not getting ready to help the team. Well, we see Instagrams of him, like working out with some of the receivers down in Miami. So you're like, okay, he's, talking to teammates like he's working out with them so i mean voluntary workouts are hey let's make sure you're in shape like i think byard was really the only big name guy that showed up and he said you know i was i work out in nashville already so i was like why would i not just show up yeah <laughs> i mean yeah you're anyway. you're a 12 year guy in the nfl like not showing up to day one of voluntary workouts is like I think that's pretty routine. Yeah, I I think you're exactly right. I think it's very routine. And I think it's just silly season right now. And people are just looking for stuff to talk about. And that he's an easy, he is a very easy target right now because of how last season ended. So it's very easy to throw shade at Ryan Tannehill right now in Nashville. But you know what? I'm going to stand up for the guy. I'm going to, I'm going to become, I'm not really a Ryan Tannehill like believer, like, you know, like, but I think I might be now. 
I think I'm just going to be entrenched that Ryan Tannehill is our guy. He Revenge is tour. our quarterback. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I love it. That's feeling good. Even coming off my, t- my lips, Ryan Tannehill. Revenge Titans tour. Super Bowl quarterback winner for the Titans. I would love it. <laughs> I think, hey, I want to go back. You talked about Derrick Henry, bro. The league did kind of forget about Derrick Henry. Like, started off just on fire, and then we still got a one seed even without him. Uh, and then, you know, he was quasi-effective in the playoffs. Like, I'm decent. I mean, for any other running back, he would have had a really good game. You're not quite Derrick Henry numbers. But I think he will come back with a vengeance. Like, yeah. a coming coming to hurt people this season. And that's good because – Realistically, what's what's Henry got left in his prime? That's what's two you years about that. Two years for real. Yeah, I think um, so. just the pounding. He, you know, just the absolute workhorse that he is. But who? I mean, he'll probably have good years after that. But I'm yeah, saying it's yeah, true he could prime. be an Emmett Smith type of running back. That he's got. He has years. one or two years to be in that high thousand yard, maybe pushing two thousand, especially with seventeen games. He's got two years left of that, I think. And then still, you're talking he's got a great chance to be a 1,000-yard back every year for a good few years after that. But that is, when we're talking Derrick Henry, big difference, obviously. So going from like one of the best of all time, in his prime anyway, to just a really good running back in the league, that's very possible in the next couple years. He needs needs two more like 1,500-plus-yard seasons, and then you can legitimately be like, no, this is – if not the, like, one of the top three running backs of all time, like, if not number one, just in terms of pure dominance, like, not many people have been as physically punishing and exciting to watch as Derrick Henry. And I, he's coming back this year strong, and that's going to be that's gonna be fun to watch. I'm fired up for it. Um, one kind of interesting stat that I wanted to, to share with you guys that I saw earlier today, um, and it, it goes along with that Brady stat with how long that he's been playing. He needs 2,200 yards this season. This is regular season and postseason combined to hit 100,000 passing yards. That's Think sick. about That's that so for a second. A hundred K. He'll be the only quarterback in NFL history to, to ever do that. Um, he will I, be. I, wanted to, I mean, that, yeah, he only needs 2,200 yards. Anyone, so, doing, anyone doing Brady numbers at, later? You think someone's doing this for how this many seasons again? I I don't. I truly. I mean, you can make the argument now with how how Brady's been able to do it in the modern era with like taking care of his body and stuff. And we've seen some quarterbacks hang around longer. You can make the argument, but not only do you have to be like he has both. Like, not only is he the greatest quarterback ever, but he's also been able to stay around till he's fifty years old. You know, so the odds of someone being able to have that combination again are just so low. I would feel confident saying not in my lifetime, but again, I mean, records are meant to be broken. So. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it be Malik Willis to be (laughs) quite awesome. Yeah. I'd love it. What are the odds that Malik Willis is better and wins more Super Bowls than Tom Brady? (laughs) (laughs) Give me those odds right now. I'll take them. (laughs) It's gotta be like plus a hundred thousand. There's good value there though. That's good. It's great value. Oh Um, man. And I was also looking at speaking of odds, uh, rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year odds, Traylon Burks sitting at number two behind Drake London. I'd say that's uh, a pretty good chance. I mean, he's just put in a position to, to put up good stats. Yeah. Like when you come in and insert a rookie as you're pretty much wide receiver one, 
we've seen rookie wide receivers have really good success lately. Yeah. Um, Justin like they're Jefferson, coming out of college, Ridley. like ready. Um, and so I, I'll, I just got to say one more thing. Like I know I kind of touched on it earlier, but I Trey Burks week after week, after week, after week, SEC defensive coordinators, they had one job prepare for Trey Burks, like pro- stop this man at all costs several guys on him do whatever you can to stop him and week after week after week Traylon just dunked on their heads and their faces and was the best player the best player by far on the field running away from defenses stiff arming people like he is going to be a thrill to watch in titans two-tone blue i couldn't be more happy i've always wanted a razorback titan crossover like some like a real high profile razorback that becomes a titan and this is the perfect one. Like, he's the best player I've watched in a Razorback uniform. I think he'll be the best pro Razorback in my lifetime, easily. Which isn't saying a ton, ton. Like, there's not been... Well, you Jason Peters Jason Peters was amazing. Jason Peters yeah. was a, a, you know, 10-time Pro Bowl left tackle for the Eagles. Um, but I think he'll truly be the most impactful. McFadden had some... McFadden actually had some good years. Um, nowhere in close Oakland. to like a... Yeah. And then he had, he had a thousand plus for the Cowboys. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, But I think I would prepare. This is my message to the six, one, five. Be ready for a superstar. That's what Traylon Burks is. And he's a hog hunting fish catching. Yeah. He loves to catch fat bass. Just snagging wide receiver. Who's gonna just, Throw your face in the dirt and have a good time doing it and do it again and again and again and again. It's awesome. I'm excited. Trail I will on, say baby. To, to the boar hunting aspect, they asked him about that in his opening press conference, and they asked him what he took out there, and he's like, I mean, I take a knife. <laughs> so, <laughs> and some dogs. The guy, I got my knife and guy, some dogs. Yeah, the guy can – the guy's tough. He's fearless. Um, and also, to your point, said just real quick, I mean, yeah, you can – talking about Traylon being the only guy on the team, AJ even had kind of the – the uh, luxury of having DK Metcalf on the other side of him in college. So mm-hmm. no, nah, I mean, maybe not a whole lot, but something to think about anyway. Um, yeah. Trujillo, do we want to hop into a little bit of the college game? I did. Yeah. I, I can mention Talk uh, a little NIL. Yeah. So Trujillo sent me a, or sent us kind of a chart, another big game boomer chart. The guy just keeps putting them out. I mean, honestly, credit to him. The guy, yeah, he, he works his tail off, dude. He puts yeah. together all kinds of cool charts. He is a great troll, just an elite troll. We talked about NIL, and he, he put out a list, I think top 25, and at number two, he is very, like, Jekyll and Hyde with the Cornhuskers as an Oklahoma <laughs> fan. He likes, to, he likes to respect us in some aspects, but then – he said that Oklahoma versus Nebraska will be one of the biggest blowouts of the year yeah. this year. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, there was a big move this this past weekend. O'Shawn Mathis from TCU, the top defensive end in the portal, commits to the Huskers over Texas. Let's go. And the report I saw or the tweet I saw from one of these college football accounts is that this was probably a few days ago, a couple of days before his commitment. Huskers had 500k on the table in an NIL deal for this guy. That was the report. I mean, I can't confirm any of that. Shout but I did hear afterwards, even if that's not the specific number. I, I mean, he said he loved a lot of things about Nebraska, like on his visit and everything. But what I heard it came down to: the Huskers outbidded the Longhorns, and that is something for the college football world to take notice of. When you say when you come in and you're outbidding Texas. 
I mean, that's what you had. You had all these people saying, what the heck can Nebraska offer? What the heck? Like, what's their do out there? All this stuff. Well, guess what? I guess they got enough money to outbid just about anyone. So that's awesome. That's where we're really talking about this NIL. You're, you're starting to see kind of the, the I, I, you mentioned this before, teams like the Huskers, Tennessee, maybe even uh, Miami or someone, people with all these donors who had an older, great football legacy and tradition. This is their opportunity to really hop back in it if, if they want to. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm excited. Uh, the the Vols just grabbed probably the number one safety prospect. Well, really, number one DB prospect out of the portal, uh, Turrentine from Ohio State. So, I mean, it's going to be insane to see how all this stuff plays out because obviously Nebraska and Tennessee have both not had the most success uh, these past couple of years, but uh, are definitely teams looking to turn it around. And uh, money, money. Money talks. Um, and when you show uh, an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, $500,000, uh, that can definitely have a big effect on his decision. So it's going to be fun to be a fan of schools that are on uh, Big Game Boomer, Sooner, whatever his name is, uh, top five NIL lists. Um, and it was interesting that Alabama was at number nine um, going that far down, I guess. I would have thought they would have been higher, but I guess not. I think it's maybe just because that won't have as big of an effect for them. Like yeah, even they're already, Bama doesn't, they're already if, amazing recruiting. Yeah, that's if true. they don't, even if they don't offer a whole lot, which I mean, they've already been. I mean, they were paying players before, so I guess yeah. that. But I just don't think if I mean, if you want to win a championship, odds are like you're picking Bama, you know. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt them a whole lot. I think that's maybe where the number nine came in. I mean, it's still high, right? But yeah, right. It's just not going to have the same effect for them that it does for other schools. Like obviously, A and M was number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they basically bought a recruiting class this past year or this past recruiting cycle. Nebraska at number two, though, which is pretty insane. Yeah, that's Ohio a, I mean, State that's, at three, and then Tennessee at four. It's it's the only it's the only place in the country where that is the only thing that matters in the entire state. Maybe Arkansas, yeah. I guess, actually. Maybe that's really Ar- the only other one. Arkansas was a notable omission from the list. I find it yeah. hard to believe we're not up there when we have literally at this moment, we had the number two recruiting class in basketball, you know, signed three McDonald's All-Americans. That doesn't happen without NIL, straight up. Like, we're not – we might have a pretty good – we had we've had good recruiting classes, but we're not doing that. And then you got right now, they have a top ten football recruiting class as well. I think recruiting is your biggest sign of the NIL. Um, and what you're doing in the portal. I think the portal is also a symbol of it. One, one, one thing I want to touch on on the NIL, and I, this, was, this was a direct, when, when, it, when everything came out, when I read the whole legislation and I read it all and I ciphered it and I said, I saw the problem points that they had. And one of them was like, your compensation for the NIL is not based on which school you are going to which means inherently that your value as a player shouldn't change whether I go to Arkansas, whether I go to Tennessee, whether I go to Ohio State. Like theoretically, your name, image, and likeness is worth the same. But that's not how it works at all. You mentioned this guy possibly getting a 500K offer from Nebraska. That offer is not on the table unless he goes to Nebraska. 
a hundred percent dependent on where you go to school. Yeah, yeah, you might have some value, but your NIL deal is a hundred percent tied to the university that you got on the front of your of your shirt. There's a kid, I think it's a basketball player, and I've just barely read the story, but he's saying he literally is like, I'm in the transport portal and I am waiting on the best NIL offer. Like I am waiting on my best offer to come in. I'm waiting on my best contract, essentially. Which is the exact, into. which is the slipperiest slope, and that's why the NCAA kind of they they put this out there on the table without like any real regulation, almost to wash their hands of saying like, okay, now it's legal, do what you want, figure it out. Like they they literally threw this out there with a few stipulations that aren't real. So a guy comes out and says, look, I'm looking for the best nil offer. Theoretically, right, that guy's value should be the same no matter where he goes, but he's looking for an NIL deal to, to, to recruit him. That is literally, it said NIL deals should not be, uh, are not a recruiting tool. Like they are not used in recruiting. That's all they are being used. That's, that's literally it, which is fine. I'm, I'm pro paying people, pay people, whatever, like, whatever you want but to sit here and act like oh it's it's not supposed to affect recruiting when texas a&m literally throws 30 mil at a recruiting class <laughs> and good for them shout out the aggies like we're still gonna beat them down in dallas but like shout out go throw some money at some high school kids probably not the best investment like let's be real yeah like, some of these 17 year old kids 17 year old kids that you give millions of dollars to I'm blowing that. I'm probably not working as hard either, to be honest. Oh, if you give me that at a high school, I am balling in college. Like I am going crazy. I'm probably not becoming the best me on the football field. I'll be honest. Like I yeah, am that's about what's dangerous about it. Yeah, that's what's dangerous about it is you're you have some guys like you said, Trucial, that could end up just being busts anyway. You know, you don't you don't know what they're right. going to come up. I mean, we see five and four and five stars end up not panning out anyway. And then you give some of these guys, maybe it does have a negative effect on them because they are 17. They can't handle it. Um, but I will say, too, it's like like you were saying, Seth, you are worth whatever one team or one person offers you. S- same situation with A.J. Brown. You don't need the NFL to say this is your value because mm-hmm. probably most people in the NFL would say that's not his value. But the Eagles came out Felt and said, was. we will pay you this. And it's the same in college. O'Shawn Mathis, I, what scares me is I don't know – he had one really good year where I think he had 10 sacks at TCU. But I talked to Benny, who went to TCU, and he kind of said, you know, he'll be a starter, but I don't know if he'll be a complete game changer. I think for the Huskers, we lost a few guys. Our D-line coach went to Oregon, took a couple guys with them, actually, and then we lost some to the draft or to free eight. Uh, they went ahead and went pro. So I think you can make the argument that this guy is worth it for depth. But then it is, hey, what if he's just kind of an average player? like that you paid 500,000. Maybe that's worth it to you. Maybe it's not. The thing is, is we don't know, like, is, is the money, is the cap quote unquote endless for a lot of these schools? Like what, how much money do you really have? And that's where I don't know. You, you ask are, is college sports going to move away from the NCAA and find something else? Or is the NCAA going to have to step in? I do think at some point there's going to have to be some rules and regulations set into place because you will have schools that are just, they boosters will give money, continue to give money as long as they think they can win. So to make it fair, I feel like you have to have some sort of rules and regulations put into place. But as of right now, it's free reign, whatever you want to do, you know, probably could just 
pay the players. Like, why not just kind of pay all the players the same? They try. That's the one thing they tried to avoid to keep the like amateurism. It's like, oh, you can make money off your own name, but maybe I don't know. It just seems so absurd where we're heading with just the the drastic. The rich are getting richer, and it is helping schools that had the money but not necessarily the on field success maybe catch up um, in that regard. Uh, Arkansas to to benefits from that as well. Tennessee, Nebraska, we represent three schools that really uh, kind of had not have as much on field success, but because of opportunities presented through this can compete with the bigger schools, you know, can kind of jump back into that upper echelon a little quicker. It just seems like it is a snowball of bad of just dysfunction. When you have so much portal action, you have so much transfer portal. I don't know if this statistic is true. I saw somewhere that don't end up on a team is what I exactly, saw. Exactly, yeah. bro. I, I don't know exactly what I saw, but it was like a huge chunk of these guys that go in the portal that leave a situation. Yeah, some people probably need to get out. You know, some some people probably need to change, but so many people are leaving positions where they're not going to find another opportunity. Like they leave the only real opportunity that they had, um, and then you're just throwing around. It brought the backdoor dealings like to light almost. That's kind of what it feels like. It brought some of this back. And what you come to find out is that the backdoor dealings are dirty. Like the <laughs> what people are doing in the <laughs> shadows <clears throat> is sketchy and shady. And you're bringing that into primetime college athletics. We're moving towards drastic shifts in the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA president himself is stepping down. Like there are changes coming to the way college sports are ran. A a positive thing recently has been the baseball scholarships are not, are probably not going to be limited. You were limited on a baseball roster to 11 and a half scholarships, 11 and a half. How they even came to 11 and a half, I do not know. Like, how are you not even going to just say 12? Like, you got 12 spots. No, you got 11 and a half. You know how much that, like, dehumanizes the baseball player? It's like, yeah. no, we got 11 and a half spaces. And now you can add a third a third assistant coach, uh, depending on league, I guess. But still, it's it seems just ridiculous that the NCAA – said what schools could and couldn't do regarding how they use their resources. Like, oh, what if Arkansas, a base, a great baseball program, you know, that supports itself as financially like stable. What if they want to add a third coach? Like they should be able to pay their third coach instead of a, having a guy, an unpaid assistant, like be there on the staff. That That's having our head coach literally have to give out money out of his own pocket, which is fine. But if he wants to go above and beyond, maybe to pay someone, but like just so he can like pay his rent, like so you can have a guy that's a big contributor to your team so he can like pay his living expenses to be a part of that. Um, So I think we're coming for drastic changes in NCAA. NIL is like just was the portal to open up this fast, broad range of possibilities. I really probably think eventually, and this is way beyond probably where we were I was considering going, but the NCAA will split into an even higher divisions. I think like you'll have, like you have a group of five. Now I literally think you'll have 
maybe 64 teams, which is, I guess, what it is, but it's like even more separated. It's like these are the paying schools. You know, these are the big time programs. This is what we support big time programs now. Super conference esque. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably where it's headed. Well, I want to touch to Trucial and I were talking about this uh, before we started recording, just about the transfer portal in general and what it's kind of done. So first of all, you you come out with this rule where guys don't have to sit out anymore, right? So then that kind of eliminates the whole, hey, I don't really need to sit around and wait. I can go ahead and leave and go somewhere else. But I've seen it a lot, especially at Nebraska with guys who have left and maybe they've gone somewhere big, but for the most part, they go to kind of like a group of five team, get to play right away. But it's guys who we had a guy, a receiver the other day who was really not super highly touted, but a lot of people thought would be a contributor at some point. Redshirted last year, would still be a freshman this year, obviously, decides to transfer out because he's like, ah, oh, man, I'm probably not going to get to play this year. And I guess if you think, man, I'm not going to get to play at all my three or four years here, I can understand that. But you have so many guys that me, Trucial and I were saying it used to be, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. You didn't see guys that weren't juniors or seniors playing quarterback. You know, you had Sam Bradford, I think, was the first guy to win the Heisman as a sophomore. You have Tebow. But like I said earlier, those are generational talents. Those Sam Bradford was the number one pick. Tebow is one of the greatest college players ever. Ever. So many guys are deciding to just leave early, and it's like they – they either don't get the offer they want because they don't have any tape because they haven't played yet, or they go somewhere, maybe they get to play, maybe they don't, or they get somewhere and it's like, hey, you're probably going to have to sit here too. You're just not good enough yet. And you have so yeah. many guys that, dude, all you had to do was stay where you were, where you chose, probably where you wanted to be, and just get better. And no one, no, it doesn't seem like anyone can handle that anymore. Everyone wants like instant gratification. And that's, kind of beating an old drum like you you hear that all the time now people saying instant gratification with these younger players but it's kind of it's the true. truth you don't yeah. you don't know how many, I I wouldn't I mean there's no way of knowing but I have no idea how many guys have possibly ruined their chances at going pro or something cuz they left early and they never really could get established in a school and it's like dude you could have been with the right coaches for you that could have really developed you and then all you need is one good year that's what's kind of crazy to me you have yeah, one look great at, can year can pick it yeah all you need is one good year. And the fact that you wanted to leave after one year where you redshirted, you still have four years of eligibility. I mean, dude, I mean, just wait. That's what I don't get. I need, I mean, I want to see guys start sticking it out, especially I QB position so hard because if you have a guy who's similar to your class and he gets named a starter over you, yeah, you're probably not playing barring injury. And that is kind of a gamble to play with. So mm-hmm. I can almost understand it from that aspect. But when you're playing a position where there's multiple guys on the field at a time, I'm like, man, you have a really good shot to wait it out, get better, and become a really good player. So, I don't know. The grass is not always greener. The grass is not always greener. It is that instant, like, oh, think about all the work you have to put in to be a part of a football program. Like, most guys that are playing and starting in the sec are juniors or seniors. Like that's just where you have to get developmentally. Like you got to put in time in the yeah, 22 year old in, men. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Yeah. They are. These are guys that are about to be in the NFL. Like they are one step away. So I like that you have the opportunity to transfer. I like that. It lets play because I kind of go back to like, if coaches can leave, if there's like no repercussion for coaches, like switching jobs, going other places. Cool. But if, like the fact that players can get stuck at places. Yeah. That's not really chill. 
I just think it should be viewed different as like last resort, not first resort, not first option in a transfer. But that's kind of that's kind of my thought on it. It, it can get out of hand, and so many guys finding themselves without opportunities. That's what I really, um, I think it's the really negative side of it. And guys just not getting established. Like you transfer once, now it, now you're a transfer guy. Like you might transfer again in two years, and then you've played at three schools and three and a half seasons and yeah, you're not establishing yourself. Like there are reasons to transfer. Absolutely. There truly are, but there are a lot of reasons to stay as well. Um, And so I just think you're probably better off in most cases to stay basketball. I've benefited. The Razorbacks have benefited from the transfer portal. Certainly. And it's nice having a coach that takes advantage of it. But as far as the players go, I just don't always think it's a, it's not always a positive situation. But we can always hope, I guess. Like, you can, hey, maybe I'll transfer and find the right spot this time. Um, and I like opportunities. It's good to give people opportunities. But I just think that sometimes it needs to be weighed. And I think as it goes on and you have more awareness of, like, how it really works – like, I mean, the transfer portal is still super new where there's no impact on your eligibility. Um, like you could, you said, you know, you used to have to sit out a year, um, which did make it a huge decision, which makes it a massive implication. Like, oh, I can transfer here. Yeah, but I got to sit out a whole year. Um, so it made it a lot less attractive. It's a lot more attractive to say I can transfer today and start tomorrow somewhere and i'm sure those promises are being thrown around oh yeah just like oh come here and you will yeah you'll start day one well and that's what i don't think the rule needs to change or anything because i do think that's totally fair and i think you're an adult at this point most of these guys you know are 18 or older it's it's up to you if you want to make that decision you can i think it just has to be a mindset and maybe it's a learning curve guys are maybe guys are starting to pick up hey there's a lot of guys who don't end up going anywhere maybe i will stay but i look at a guy that I always point to that it didn't work out for Luke McCaffrey, who was at Nebraska comes in as a quarterback, probably the fastest dude on the team. That's what a lot of coaches said. And the whole time I'm thinking, gosh, put this guy in the slot, throw the ball to him on a swing route and let him work. I mean, let him run the ball around, find him, make him turn him into a gadget player. He didn't want to do that. I think that's probably what it was going to come down to because he wasn't going to start goes to Louisville. And what they probably do is tell him, yeah, you can come play quarterback here. He gets there, dude, two weeks later, transfers again because you know what happens? He probably went there, and they're like, ah, yeah, you're not going to start at quarterback. Or either they said, you're not going to play for a while, or, yeah, no, actually, we are going to move you. Because what do they do? Empty promises. That's all it is. Yeah, and there's no repercussions. Goes to Rice, and I think played a couple games at quarterback and just didn't pan out there either. I mean, it it sucks because man, what if you would have just been able to listen and say, Hey, you know what? I do want to try this out. And that's a different situation in and of itself. If you really want to play quarterback and think you can do that, but that's a situation where dude, it really hurts you, especially on that empty promises side that guys are willing to throw out. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I feel like that's something that will just never be stopped. I mean, bringing it back to Tennessee a little bit, I remember hearing all kinds of stories about how Butch Jones was just telling every player everything they wanted to hear. I mean, he was a people pleaser. He just, yes, man. He say yes to every question they have. Um, and what's stopping the coaches from really doing that uh, right now? Nothing. So I think that's a great point to bring up. And um, 
I mean, it just like you were kind of talking about, there's a lot of shady characters uh, in the NCAA right now, whether it be coaches, players, NCAA staff themselves. You got agents. Sure. You're involving all these agents now. Yeah. That's grease, that's, grease balls. That's, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. So it's some, it's some crazy stuff going on, but uh, I think as we get further on into the NIL era, you could call it, um, some of the some of these weird little nuances will be worked out, and uh, hopefully, the the best thing for the players, programs, and coaches will eventually come to light, and we'll kind of get this all figured out. But I mean, there is a learning curve right now. Nobody really knows how all this stuff works. There's a lot of loopholes, I'm sure, that people are trying to figure out. So, well, it, it's just a waiting game. Uh, I think we're playing with the NIL right now. Uh, yeah. But I know we don't have a ton of time here left. You guys want to talk a little uh, basketball as the Grizzlies, since we last talked, actually shut down. The Whoop that trick. Whoop <laughs> that trick. I know they lost game one. Dude, tough loss in game one, but it's a seven-game series. I think the Grizz got it. Like I think that almost fired them up to even win worse, like win better these next couple yeah. games. I mean, um, if that's you an exciting remember- series. Yeah, if you remember, uh, Minnesota won game one yep. of the last series. So I'm not worried at all, especially with this being Golden State. One-point game, uh, absolutely tough, tough finish. Um, and it really sucked to to see Morant essentially miss um, the same shot that he took as a game winner against Minnesota and miss it against uh, Golden State. But I mean, it was also crazy because Clay Thompson missed two straight free throws. I mean, how often do you get to see that happen? So it was just a crazy game in general. And then Clay Thompson makes the the defensive stop at the end too to really kind of tie that whole story together. Um, but this Grizzlies team just has a mentality that uh, they don't give a crap about anybody else. I mean, they're here to stay. They're here to win. They want all the smoke. John Morant talking about climbing up the chimney. Um, I mean, they're ready for it. They're not afraid of anybody. They're not backing down. So whether it be the championship warriors or the crappy Timberwolves, Timber Pups, uh, Grizzlies are Grizzlies the Timberwolves were good. The Timberwolves well, yeah, were the best offensive actually stacked. Yeah, like, they're they're the best offensive good. team in the league. They scored the yeah. most points. So that was a that was a tough matchup. Yeah, it I think, was. Um, I mean, losing game one, you got to win four out of six versus Golden State, but I think they can do it. This is not. This is not. This is not. 2016 2017 golden state no, they are very they very good them. they are they are great they are a great team still and they have great players and but when the thing like last night was like jordan pool goes off like it's tough it is tough to stop them when jordan pool is going off like he did he's a great yeah. player he, he's a great player but to have him put up numbers like that when you still have steph and clay ahead of them and whatnot is, and it sucked to have Jaron Jackson Jr. put up 33 and shoot six or nine from behind the three-point arc um, and lose that game because, you know, I mean, that's not going to yeah, happen that, every that probably, game. Yeah, that, not every game. But, but also long, you can look long at series. A, yeah, exactly. Long series. Dylan Brooks had a horrendous game. Horrendous game. And that probably won't happen again. So you can kind of look at it from uh, two sides of the coin there and uh, be, on, be on the hopeful side that, well, first of all, Desmond Bain is a little banged up and is actually questionable for game two now. Uh, he was kind of limping the whole second half, so there's something something up with his foot. But hopefully he gets healthy. 
Uh, Dylan plays a lot better, and Sharon keeps us up. I think the Grizzlies yeah. take it in six. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I like that the Grizzlies, they do. They, they want all the smoke. Like, that mindset has carried over from the grit and grind era where, like, that team did want everything, but they probably they weren't as high it. and talented. Yeah, yeah they, Like, this team wants all the smoke, and they are actually legit. Like, they hoop with anybody. And when you got a superstar, Ja is a legitimate bona fide superstar. When you have a superstar surrounded by a team that is really strong and that really believes and that really plays together and hard, it's it's tough to stop. They win this one. Like this, this seems like the series to me. If they win this series, I think they legitimately are going to the finals. I I this is gonna be a tough hurdle, especially being down 0-1. But it, I still think they'll win the series, and I really think they'll make the finals. I think they'll win that Western Conference, no matter if it's Dallas or if it's the Suns. I think they're better. I think they'll elevate over either of those teams. Um, so we'll see. I think the Suns, I can't, I got to be quiet because I live with Dallas people. Um, I think the Suns are probably going to take this series uh, and the other series in the West. Let's see who we got in the East. I just want to do a quick rundown. And we Boston got, and Milwaukee and then Heat that's Sixers. A fun series. Those yeah. are two fun series to me. So hold up. I got it. I got it on behind me. It's 55. 52 Philadelphia is up ah, by Philly three in the oh Miami the, was up for a minute so Philly must yeah. have came storming back there's there 10 go. minutes left in the third so still a lot of time in that one Defense um grind. I would uh, probably go Miami I don't trust Philadelphia at all I'll go Miami Miami versus Boston I'm going From Miami Boston yeah, that is old up, school. Uh, growing up watching basketball, those Paul yeah. Pierce and Rondo teams against LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. That was legendary. On. The uh, This is such an aside at this point, but one of my favorite videos on the history of the earth is the videos of Paul, of Paul Pierce just getting tormented by LeBron. There are like multiple 10 minute, like there's a part one and part two, a specific video I'm, I'm thinking of where it's at, like the part one is a nine minute video of Paul Pierce just getting clowned by LeBron, just getting absolutely abused by LeBron. And then you watch a full nine minutes and you're like, wow, LeBron owned Paul Pierce. And then it pulls up part two and it's like another eight full minutes of him just getting dominated by LeBron. Oh, it's so even in his Jersey retirement, like this guy could not escape LeBron. Paul Pierce gets his Jersey retired in Boston. Epic night for him, you know, huge night. And LeBron comes in in his Cleveland team and by like middle of the third quarter is quite literally dancing on the bench. Like he is, <laughs> he is trolling Paul Pierce so hard. So yeah, I'll go Miami over Boston. That's why. <laughs> I love it, dude. That is true. That is true. But I give a little, I give a little props to the truth because I mean, they, he was really especially good. those Cleveland days, LeBron couldn't get, couldn't past, get them. past them. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the, was it the first time with the Heat they still came out and did really well? Because Paul yeah, Pierce, so I mean, he gets clown because of, he gets clown because a lot of stuff he says on like the panel, like trying to talk about his career and everything. And I get that, but there was a time where I remember reading an article in Sports Illustrated and they pulled a bunch of coaches. Like, if you take LeBron and Kobe out of the mix, who do you want with the ball in their hands at the end of the game? And the majority of them said Paul Pierce, because yeah. especially that on that 08 team, like. You have the big three and everything, but that was still Paul Pierce's team. Certainly. I mean, people also kind of forget they also made it to the finals, now lost to Kobe Bryant, 
Yes. And Andrew yeah. Bynum in 2010. But I mean, they were right still there in the mix for the finals. And Paul Pierce was still playing elite level basketball in 2010. Um, and then LeBron kind of took over the following year and, and how he had that horrible series against Dallas and lost, but never really looked back after that. Um, but yes, LeBron yeah. did in fact just absolutely own Paul Pierce still. Yeah. All right. So who y'all got? Uh, who you got? Who y'all got in the East for the conference finals? I got Milwaukee and Miami. Um, and I think Milwaukee comes out on top. I mean, they just back to look, the back yeah, to the finals. Giannis looks so good right now. God, Giannis I mean, is he looks, so good. He looks so good. And then I think, did I pick uh, Boston? Uh, that, yeah, that was kind of stupid, but I'll stick with it. All right, I, I like you being a man of your word there, Seth. Sticking with the original pick. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, now with Booker being back in the mix and him getting a little bit healthier and kind of back into everything, I think Phoenix takes takes care of business. Um, and Luca unfortunately loses as much as I'd love to see him make it. Um, I think Phoenix honestly might be a better matchup for the Grizzlies uh, in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm going to say it's going to be Phoenix and Memphis, uh, then Miami and Milwaukee with a Memphis and Milwaukee a double M finals <laughs> is uh is chris middleton playing right now uh yes i believe so okay i just knew he was hurt for a little bit um yeah i would go milwaukee nah nba ain't gonna let milwaukee memphis happen two 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 small markets that's, that's fair <laughs> but you'd have um, two superstars so maybe what about phil i mean i actually kind of want to go with philly i mean philly I don't know. I just feel like so much crap has been talked about. I feel like recently Doc Rivers and yeah, uh, Harden, obviously. So I think I'm just going to – I'm going to go with Philly, kind of the ruin the party, ruin all the media's uh, trash talking. I'm going to go Philly and Milwaukee. And then, like yeah, I got to go Memphis and – And I do want to correct myself before you make that decision, Will. Um, so I just saw an update. Chris Middleton is most likely not going to play a game this series. Um, no. So if that has any effect on your decision, oh, let's go! I feel go like Boston. it does. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Giannis played incredible, and uh, yeah. Bobby Portis is stepping up. Bobby Portis, yeah, is yes. in. so he's I'll most still, likely. I'll still, miss I'll still ride with Milwaukee. I'll still ride with them. I think I'm going to ride with them still. Um, and then who was I saying? Um, yeah, I'll go Phoenix and Memphis. Here we go. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, we do have a little bit of baseball that we can close it out with, as I always love getting my Tennessee baseball minute in. Another SEC series win. It just keeps rolling, bro. The train keeps rolling. We've had the rolling. same college baseball talk every week. It's just like Tennessee <laughs> keeps dominating. Yeah. And it, it was pretty kind of some craziness down in uh, uh, against Auburn there this weekend. with some drama. Vi- yeah, some drama going on. Vitello uh, throwing like the bat or somebody's sleeve back at the plate. And people yelling F you at each other and all this stuff. And then apparently some Tennessee fans were cheering for injuries and it, a lot of it was overblown. It's getting um, nasty. And take, taken out of it's context, but it was, it was a nasty, just get down and dirty sec baseball series, um, which you got to get used to if you're going to be a sec baseball fan. That's so, what it's about. Well, in the Auburn, yeah, the play you're talking about true Yeah. 
uh, Auburn, I think, hit a home run, and the guy yeah. bat flipped towards the Tennessee through literally through like and, into and I the think Tony B didn't like it, and so he got up and kind of threw the bat back. And while this is going on, the Auburn dugout is just like going at t- like just from across the field. They're yeah, all on the field nuts. like yelling at him. And you know what? I'm people were uh, kind of trashing. Tony V for not being able to take it and everything. And then Tennessee fans were mad at Auburn for doing that. I like it from both sides, baby. Bring yeah. it on. Let's have some fun. Let's get nasty with it. I'm I'm all for the. Yeah, I say let's turn baseball into how the NHL does it. Let dudes like charge them out and just duke it out for 30 seconds. Like let them fight for 30 seconds. That would be awesome. I'm pro fight. Like, yeah, that's awesome. That would be nice. Just like a penalty box. Yeah. Just go fight a little bit. Go sit in the penalty box. Meanwhile, the Razorbacks just keep kind of plodding along. Nothing yeah. like extra spectacular, but another SEC series win. Uh, had a nice walk-off home run, which is always exciting. You don't get too many walk-off home runs. Um, so that happened, you know, just staying around. Top three, top four in the polls. Going to be a national seed. Um, so everything's in front of them. Not played their best baseball yet. I'll, I'll, I hope so, at least. Uh, which is great to say when, when, you know, your top four team in the country consensus that you still believe you could be a little bit better. Um, so hopefully they peak at the right season or at the right time of the season, which is coming up soon. Like we're, we're getting pretty close to, to kind of um, the end here. So I was glad that Tennessee won this weekend because Auburn was nipping on the heels of the Razorbacks in the West. So we got just a little separation back. Um, but yeah, we're, we're hitting home stretch here for the, for the base falls and the Omahogs. And hopefully we're going to see each other in Omaha. That's still the plan. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. All, all roads lead to Omaha. Exactly. I love it. Well, that's pretty much uh, all I got for the base falls. Will you got any Nebraska talk you want to get in here? Uh, not really. Nebraska baseball sucks. I looked at it. They, I hadn't really been keeping tabs on it and I would just kind of see updates on Twitter. And then I just looked up the record, and we're actually 18 and 25. So no good on no, no good no on that update. front. Definitely a step down from last year. But, you know, I mean, Nebraska is usually, especially Big Ten, you can kind of not too hard to bounce back, I feel like. And uh, Will Bold, the coach there, I mean, obviously getting them pretty far last year, I feel pretty confident he'll he'll be fine for years to come. So hopefully they can bounce back next year on all that. I'm just ready for football, man. I was talking, I mean, this uh, commitment, obviously, too, with O'Shawn Mathis has got me really excited for it. I'm just ready to see the Husker team go out and play next year. Um, yeah, but not not a whole lot to say that I haven't already said, so I'll go ahead and close it out. Guys, thanks again for listening. This is Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out on sixpackcoverage.com, on Instagram, Twitter, at sixpackcoverage. Check out us on Twitter at paydirt underscore sports, Instagram at paydirt sports. Check out the website, paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening. We'll see you all next week. Paydirt out. Doses.